Unequal revenue sharing. If you ain't talking money, I ain't really trying to hear you. Locked on Wolfpack. Let's go. You are Locked on Wolfpack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome back in for another episode of Locked On Wolfpack. As always, thank you for making Locked On Wolfpack your first listen each and every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, always here on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Grayson Boone. This is Kenton Gibbs, and today we are going to be talking some revenue sharing in the ACC. If you've been paying attention to the ACC meetings down in Jacksonville, as this week has gone on, you've probably heard this term several different times. Today, we're going to break down more so of why it's relevant, especially to NC State with all this bag talk going on. So, Kenton, we're going to get right into this thing. Um, of course, the the basis of these meetings, all the hubbub and the buzz, has been centered around the, the bigger name brands in the ACC, such as Florida State, who I believe was pushing the issue probably the most this week, is that, as we've mentioned before, they're looking around at the SEC, at the Big Ten, all these other schools that are making more money than the teams are making here in the ACC. And these big brands like a Clemson or a Florida State are saying, hey, we're the crown jewels of this conference. Where's our bag at? Where, where, when do we get that payday? And so now they're they're pushing the issue with the ACC, and that was where you saw the Magnificent Seven rise up. Whether that was smoke or not smoke, still uh, you know remains to be seen. But ultimately, as Kenton has said several times on here, you got to follow the money. That's where the talk is centered around. It's it's all revolving around money. That's not a surprise to many. But I want to bring up this chart, Kenton, that you found. Um, mm-hmm. This is through. Navigate. They're a large-scale consulting and advising uh, for large brands and networks. And they kind of crunch some numbers here. These are payout estimates per um, conference to give a better idea of what we're kind of looking at in, in terms of the gaps between these larger conferences and the ACC. So, of course, all of these numbers are soon to change, um, especially with the ACC kind of getting into the process of renegotiating their deals. But let's, you know, you just take 2023 here. Uh, you look at the payout per school. You In the Big Ten, you have 58.9 million. The SEC, I believe that's 56 million. The Big 12, 48 or 41.8 million. The Pac-12, 35.5 million. And then the ACC, 36.3 million. So, the main focus, of course, has been on the Big Ten and the SEC in comparison to the ACC. In just 2023 here, each school's making nearly $20 more million than NC State. Kenton, what does this mean for NC State when we potentially get a better deal here, when we try to close the gap in terms of this revenue sharing and average uh, payout per school? 
So, I, and I want to make this clear to all of our listeners. The reason that we bought up this graph is because we want y'all to fully understand uh, what these numbers look like and why this is being discussed so heavily, because this isn't just about today or tomorrow. This is a long-term um, thing going forward, number one. And number two, I also wanted to point out that um, this is not just an ACC problem. Like, this is not just a, hey, the ACC is getting left behind. As you can see here, uh, according to this chart, the ACC will make the least this year and next year, or actually just this year. Every year after that, um, we're going to beat out somebody, except for in 2025. And then every year after that, we're going to go right back to uh, beating one of the other two between the Big 12 and Pac-12, which are all estimates. But the point of this is to show this is not a grass is much greener on the other side type of thing. And I know that our listeners are of a little bit older of a demographic, but when Grace and I were growing up, there was a show called As Told by Ginger. And the theme song says, someone once told me the grass was much greener on the other side. But when I took a visit, I must have missed it. It was different, but exactly the same. So what am I saying by saying that? You can go to another conference and, and see that as the solution to the money woes here. But if you are not landing in one of the, the really the big two, if the Big Ten or SEC do not want you, that's that's going to be tough. And the biggest thing about that is this. Everybody's talking about the numbers look great, right? The numbers look great in terms of, ooh, 57 million, ooh, 58 million, ooh, 73 million. Well, think about it like any other pot of money, right? If you hit the lottery tomorrow, if I hit the lottery by myself tomorrow and the jackpot is 100 million, I get 100 million. But if Grayson hits it with me, if we both get two separate tickets, now it just dropped to 50 million for both of us. If Grayson and our favorite listener hit together, if me, Grayson, our favorite listener hit together, now it goes down to 33.3 million and so on and so forth. These conferences have to have a definite benefit in terms of, hey, do you bring in more than the 30 million? Do you bring in more than whatever the case may be? Because it wouldn't make sense to simply undermine one or two schools just to undermine one or two schools. You would have to have the end game of, hey, we want conference dissolution altogether and we're going to take your top two to three schools, but we may not take everybody in that wave. So it's just a these numbers kind of help bear that out in terms of like we're, we're talking about different conferences that we could go to. But objectively speaking, according to this chart, outside of the SEC and Big Ten, if those two conferences don't want your school, particularly NC State in this case, if those two schools don't or if those two conferences don't want state, then we'll be taking a step backwards. Yeah, and of course, so I was listening to uh, Joe Obius and Joe Giglio on their new podcast, and they had Wes Durham on there kind of talking about this situation. And Wes said something that resonated with me, and it's kind of what Kenton's been saying as well, in that don't you think that if a bigger conference like a Big Ten or an SEC wanted to pluck the likes of a Clemson or a Florida State or Miami, don't you think they would have done it by now? Don't, uh, don't you think they would have reached in our pocket and took away what they wanted to take because it is a good point. They probably would have with the power that they have and the money that they're making. But, you know, like I mentioned before, all of these numbers are still uh, going to change here uh, in the, in the short term. Of course, the PAC 12 rights are up uh, not this summer, but next summer in 2024. Uh, the big 12 rights are up in 2030 to 31 SEC runs all the way to 2033 to 34, and the Big Ten 
is out to 2029 and 2030. And of course, the ACC runs all the way to 2036, which is why we were mentioning um, in one of our previous episodes this week, the ACC is kind of going to get swept up and left behind again if they don't address this issue of the revenue sharing now. They're going to get left in the dust probably exponentially so if they don't address this now. And that's why it was being brought to the forefront um, this week. And rightfully so, because these big name brands like a Clemson, they do deserve the most money in the ACC. They do. And I think NC State is making a stronger case for them being more valuable in the ACC conference with the success they've had amongst a multitude of sports in the last, you know, five, seven, eight years. We're, we're growing as a brand, and that's something to be proud of. So NC State should feel confident that they will also be rewarded with this new unequal revenue sharing because, I mean, not to throw shade here, but we have accomplished more than the schools like a, a Virginia Tech or a Wake Forest or a Boston College. We have. We, we, we're getting more things done like I said, across different sports, women's basketball, swimming, wrestling, baseball, you name it. And and let me make this point, which I said about Florida State, which Florida State fans had a hard time hearing. I, I don't know what's in the water down there in Florida, but it's something blocking up their eardrums. Even if we're not talking about accomplishments, it, because really, this isn't really about accomplishments. We're showing you what it's about, right? You see that this graph has nothing to do with the amount of ACC or national championships teams won. This has nothing to do with the amount. Well, it does have a, something to do with the national championships one, right? Better teams, <laughs> better, more viewership, all that. But what I'm saying is this graph in particular does not correlate to like, hey, what have you done? How many teams are you putting to play? All that good stuff. In terms of like, that is great and it adds viewership, yes. But what I'm saying is it's not a direct one-to-one thing. So what am I saying? It's not about has NC State won a conference championship in football, a conference championship in basketball, baseball, women's uh, basketball, all that good stuff. It's about the eyeballs that you bring to the TV. It's about is your merchandising worth it for another one of these conferences to potentially pay out uh, some of what you got going on here? Is that worth it to these other conferences to do that? Is it worth it and does it make sense for them to do so? Does it make sense for them to potentially help you with a buyout of a $120 million ticket that still, and by the way, that $120 million ticket is um, allegedly the like bare minimum bottom payout. And that's if the payout didn't require lawyers or anything along those lines, which has some estimates taking this thing as high as half a billion dollars. Uh, So what, what Grayson and I are are getting at here is that again, this is a, a situation where this is all about the brass tacks. This ain't about who's won what or who's done what recently, because, again, Florida State has the greatest claim of most of the teams in the ACC. Clemson and Florida State have the greatest claims. Clemson's had a ton of success recently. Florida State has not. They have not pissed a drop since Jameis and Jimbo left. And with that being said, they still have a claim to say, hey, we bring in a lot of money. But so does NC State. Not on the level of Florida State. That's an objective truth. That is not me downing NC State or dissing NC State. But there is there is a a conversation to be had there. And again, it makes sense as to why eight teams have not gotten together and said, Hey, we're going to dissolve this thing because all eight of those teams would need to know that they're getting into the big 10 or the sec in order to know they make more money and uh, not have to deal with, or they'd make enough money to make up for the lengthy legal battle that would follow an attempt at dissolution 
of the uh, ACC and attempt to dissolve the grant of rights as well, which is a separate conversation for the dissolution of the ACC, despite what many people may believe here. Absolutely. There's going to be a whole lot more to discuss on just this topic alone, you know, let alone uh, the, the whole grant of rights situation. For In sure. this next segment, we're going to be talking about NC State baseball, their tournament. And when I say tournament, I mean ACC tournament outlook um, and what they're going to have to do to make sure they get into that conference tournament uh, next week. But first, a word from our sponsors, Bird Dogs. Can't I be lying to you if I said I didn't come home from work today and immediately throw on my new shorts because they are that comfortable. Like I've been mentioning this week, their three main pillars are fit, comfort, and versatility. Boy, I tell you, they made sure they hit all three of those. I'm going to be wearing these things all summer, and I'm going to be mighty comfortable in doing so. So go get your own pair of Bird Dog shorts. Go to birddogs.com slash college When you enter promo code in all caps, Locked on college, they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. So, in this next sentence, in this next segment, Kenton, we're gonna be talking some NC State baseball, and uh, they they're on the ropes. As the last time we spoke about it, didn't handle their business in Chapel Hill, and it, it cost them greatly. Um, they have Pittsburgh this weekend. They did win today on Thursday, so they're technically still alive, um, but there's still still some work to do to make sure they stay alive. So as it stands here on Thursday evening, because they defeated Pittsburgh, now tomorrow, uh, or when you listen to this today, on Friday, NC State must win and Louisville must lose to Florida State. If you get both of those scenarios, NC State will be stamped into the ACC tournament. Now, of course, we're also keeping our eyes on Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech as they lost on Thursday. So if they continue to lose their, you know, if they do lose their series this weekend, you could see NC State sneak all the way up into a nine seed, which would be kind of astounding based on how we've been playing lately. But I've now thrown up this graphic here. As you can see, the teams that have already clinched their way into the ACC tournament are Boston College, Clemson, Duke, Miami, UNC, Notre Dame, Virginia, and number one in the nation, Wake Forest. So, like I mentioned, State is still grasping for air. They're still alive to make the ACC tournament, but they're going to have to take care of business with the rest of this series against Pittsburgh on Thursday evening here, they did get, take care of business. They defeated Pittsburgh by a score of 7-2. to two. Logan Whitaker was excellent on the mound. He went seven innings of one-hit baseball, walked three, and struck out six. One of his best outings of the year, of course, in a big spot. Whitaker's had a bit of an up-and-down season, but this mm-hmm. is a great, uh, as good a time as any to come out and uh, perform at the highest level. Cannon Peebles was the star on Thursday. He was 4-for-4. Four four with four RBIs, uh, of course, highlighted by a th- another three-run home run that kind of got NC State off and running. And from there, it was a, it was a doubles parade. Jacob Cozart, Peebles added a double. Eli Serrano had a double. Candelaria had a double. The, the bats were out in full display and ultimately got it done on Thursday. But, Kenton, the main point of this discussion is I want to open up a very honest conversation about Elliot Avent and the coaching staff 
this year for the Pac-9. I've seen a lot of moaning and groaning um, about the recent play, and there's there's a lot of a lot to be warranted there. I'm seeing a lot of people calling for Elliot Avent to just go ahead and retire. And I don't think you can make that argument because if anyone has the staying power to decide whether he stays or goes at NC State, it is Elliot Avent. He's been here for 27 years. He's the most accomplished, okay, one of the most accomplished coaches at this school. And if there's anyone that, you know, lives and breathes NC State, it's Elliot Avent. So, I think that's a little bit unfair for folks to call for his job at this point, but let me hear your thoughts. I want to know what you think on this. All right. So first thing first, you said that this team is on the ropes. I disagree. They've been knocked down and and we got to get our standing eight count to make sure that we got our ballots and our bearings about us to keep fighting on. And that's, that's what this series is. It's your standing eight count boys. So if you want to keep your season going, if you want to figure out something, I mean, Hey, you were on the ropes weeks ago. And you, you didn't quite protect yourself at all times. Now, in terms of should Elliot Davis stay or go, I think that there is – I think that there is a, a very interesting conversation to be had here in what, what – how much rope do you give the legends, per se? How much leash, how much grace do you give the legends before you say, all right, that's it, that's enough? And I understand I am not – y'all know me. I'm not one of the people that calls for coaches' heads often. I'm often a person that says stability is better than anything else. However, when we're looking at a situation this year where we're not in the only way that we can make the tournament at this point is to either win the ACC championship or have a dominant run up to the the, um, ACC championship game and potentially lose to a Wake Forest where it's like, all right, that team's a buzzsaw. You're not supposed to beat that team. Like, sure. With that being said, I, I'm uh, I'm I'm on the fence about it. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not super like, hey, we need to keep Avon. There's nothing that uh, there's nothing that he can do that will ever dissuade me from him. But I'm also not like, all right, I'll hand you your signing papers. If we gotta pay you something to help you leave, I, I got five on it. I'll put my twenty dollars in. Who who I gotta cash out to get Avon out of here? It's not one of those situations either. I. Again, I see both sides of it. I understand not wanting to kick out a legend because we see how messy has gotten with Notre Dame and Bray, right? Exactly. We see stuff like that, and you're like, mm. you saw how messy it got at the end with Syracuse and Bayham. And Bayham had a national championship for Christ's sake. Mm. You don't want that for your legends, but you also don't want to allow your your legends to hold your team back and hold your team to meandering around 500 or meandering around mediocrity when there's so much more available. Yeah, I mean, I, okay, so there's there's two main points for why I believe that we will see Elliot Avent next year and potentially the year after this. It's because his contract runs through 2025. And mm-hmm. then my second point here is that phase two of the ballpark upgrades are going to be taking place this offseason. And I would imagine that Avent's going to be one of – he's going to want to be around for that because – this is all the upgrades that he has deserved for his program for a long time. So he's going to want to see this come to life. And I completely understand that. And then I guess if you want to throw in a, a quasi third point is after tonight, he is now six wins away from 1000 in a Wolfpack uniform. Ultimately that doesn't matter because your program, the life of your program comes first, but yeah, I mean, I think the most disappointing part of this is because 
going to Omaha just two years ago, you want to be able to build tangible progress off of that. You want to be able to, you know, get these next this next wave of recruits in and, and keep keep the line moving here. And so to it's not done yet, but to potentially miss the whole tournament consecutively the two years after going to Omaha, there's no other way to view that other than that's a failure. It yeah. is a failure. Yeah. It's you you've kind of wasted the momentum that you built. And it's there's something to be said here because it's not the first time this has happened under Avent. We we went to Omaha in 2013, and I believe we missed the tournament the year after that in 2014. So this has happened now twice under Avent. And that can't happen. It, it, it simply cannot happen because the amount of success that this program has had, you know, over the years and especially under Avent here, we're, we're kind of getting stuck in the mud. We're stalling out when there's no reason to be. We've, right. much like a, a Wolfpack football program, despite maybe underspending in a multitude of facets here, we've overperformed for what we've had. Mm-hmm. But you've reached the you've reached the the point here where it's like okay wh- which way are we going here are we content with mediocrity per se or are we taking this thing to the next level what, what's it going to be and i i want to make a, a really quick statement here about the a thousand win thing i think that does mean a lot i think yeah. that does mean a lot for a program i think that that means that objectively means a ton in terms of um the ability to tra- attract other coaches in the future to say like hey you saw what our last coach if you do your job here for years and years, and years, we will not be quick to force you out the door. We will give you all the grace and respect and let you accomplish the nearest milestone if it makes sense to do so. If it if it even is in the realm of making sense to do so, we will allow you to do that before we give you the boot because you, you can't quite get the job done. Um, and so, you know, it it sucks to, to talk about even like this because he was one of my favorite coaches to cover when I worked at the technician uh, and when I worked at WRAL, he was one of my favorite coaches to cover. You could ask him the most simple innocuous question and he would give you some quotes like you wouldn't believe. And he's, he's a great human being. He's objectively a really good human being. Doesn't matter when it comes to uh, performance. That's the reality. But sports is a performance business and there are, uh, the 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 halls of fire, the halls of paperwork, the halls of knocking on the door. Hey, can I can I get your playbook? The halls of the uh, as they do in the Canadian Football League, the back pinch with the two little fingers, that that thing or whatever. That it's it's littered with great guys, and I would hope that we give Avent the ability to see that thousandth win here. I would hope so, and I would hope that that thousand win would come in a season where we are now back to form of what we should be and what we believe we can be with an upgraded stadium. Um, but if that's not the case, if Elliot proves that he cannot get it done, and, and don't get me wrong, 27 years of evidence is, is plenty, but those 27 years have been very up and down. And every time you want to count them out, every time you're ready to say, all right, I'm done, he's like, all right, mm, here's, a, here's a trip to Omaha for you. You know what, y'all been loyal. Take another one. You know, and that's, that's how it as unfortunate as it is, that's how it's been. Um, so I I struggle to say we need to get rid of him when he's this close to a thousand, when he's on the precipice of a thousand. 
Yeah, the, the common sentiment for Avent is he is NC State. He embodies NC State. And so the idea of pushing a guy out like that that has meant so much to your school, it, it, uh, it, it feels a little nasty to me. But, you know, at the same time, yes, this is a performance-based industry. And you've had, you've had two unacceptable seasons back-to-back. That warrants a change. It has to be something. Because if you want to be able to compete and keep up with all these other schools here that are churning out a number one like a Wake Forest or a Clemson who's completely changed their season, turned it around, we're going to get left behind. And that would be a humongous shame with the amount of progress we had been building up to 2021 and are still trying to do uh, still now. But our next segment, we're going to be wrapping up all the best things we saw this week after a quick word from our sponsors. So, Kenton, this was a very eventful week, uh, I guess not just in the world of ACC talk, but for NC State as well. Um, I saw the women's tennis team has advanced to the Final Four. Shout out women's Woo-hoo! tennis. That is incredible. Second time in three years, as I understand. I think that has flown a bit under the radar. So, shout out uh, women's pack tennis. I hope we can get it done in the Final Four and subsequently the whole shebang. Um I, I, I've been seeing a little bit of buzz surrounding Brennan Armstrong. I saw NC State football named a dark horse for this upcoming season. I think that's an interesting conversation to be had. Um, any quick thoughts on that, Kenton? Um, I, as far as as far as Brennan Armstrong goes, I hope he has all the success. I hope that he uh, is great as a starting quarterback. I hope he does all the things. If he can't, don't worry about it. We've got a guy sitting behind you that, in the words of uh, my head coach, Thomas Wilcher, love you very much. I know you listen to this wherever you are, coach. Um, I'm not going to lose with an old guy. If if things are going wrong and, and we got to take lumps, I'm going to take lumps with a new regime. And so, you know, I hope that we don't have to take lumps next year. I hope that those dark horse predictions do pan out. But as it stands right now, not many people are giving this team a shot, which is the way I like it as an NC State grad, as an NC State football alum. There was a, there's a couple of tweets I had responded to on Thursday were in, involving this in that, yes, I would much rather fly under the radar than be called a dark horse. But there's another one um, kind of highlighting a, like a preseason expectation list for Brennan Armstrong. And the question was, where do you think Armstrong will rank in terms of ACC quarterbacks for this upcoming season? My take was that if he returns to 2021, Brennan Armstrong, I think he's going to be good for probably third best quarterback in the ACC. What's a number that you would throw out? Where where would you rank him per se? Uh, he, it's a wild card. He it is. is. It's a reason that I say NC State's football season next year is a wild card because Brennan Armstrong, the, the guy who's going to be uh, the the head of the snake, is is a bit of a wild card here. Um, if he returns to 2021 form, I could see him being the second, even potentially the best quarterback in this league. Uh, with all due respect to the quarterbacks around the league, I think that uh, Drake May is the type that he can put a team on his back yeah. and say, hey, follow me. All of you guys stink, but I'll take you where you need to go. I don't think there's a single other quarterback like that in this league at the moment. I don't. I don't. Um, with that being said, Brendan Armstrong, to some degree, was that guy at Virginia. He, he just objectively was. How many of those guys on that Virginia team are now playing in the league that were on that offense? Mm. that's just the reality 
And and he had that offense buzzing. That Virginia team was not losing football games because of their offense when he was there. Uh, so if he's back to Virginia, Brennan Armstrong, or I'm sorry, 2021 Brennan Armstrong, we're looking at the second potentially best quarterback in the conference. If we see 2022 Brennan Armstrong, oh, oh, I'd say I, I think if at best. I think if we see 2020, 20, oh my gosh. 2022, Brennan Armstrong. I think that means you're going to see MJ. We'll Moore. see MJ Moore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, for sure, for sure. But that's going to do it for us here on Friday. Uh, Kenton, any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Hey, listen, y'all have a great weekend. Don't worry about this realignment right now. Don't re- this is the rest- down the road thing anyway. Rest your weary hearts and relax your mind. Okay, this thing it'll get figured out as it gets figured out. And here's one thing that NC State fans can rest assured of. This is a team that I say this all the time. NC State has some of the most passionate fans ever because you do not learn passion. You do not learn how passionate fan bases are when your team is winning championships. You learn how passionate your fan base is when you're losing, when you're mediocre, those types of situations, when you're a bad team. And NC State fans will show up for it all. Wolfpack Nation shows up for it all. And with that being said, the the following is there. I already talked about who the most viewed teams were and the fact that we're the third most viewed in the conference. So some people said that I accounted the numbers wrong because other teams are playing on the uh, on on ESPN one and two and ABC and CBS. And we're not sure. But even amongst ACC teams, just ACC, meaning all of us are having to deal with Bally and whatnot. All of us are having to deal with the nonsense that the ACC uh, network had done. In the, in the past, even through all of that, we're the third most viewed team. That tells you something. That tells you something. That tells you that the, the passion that we're exuding uh, online and how rowdy you get. It's a reason that I don't tell all of Wolfpack Nation, y'all are delusional, you're crazy people, you're bad. Because that passion, that that what's under that third rib of us Wolfpack Nation members is something special. Can't teach that, as they say. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. thank you all for giving us another listen here on Friday, uh, the end of a great week on Locked on Wolfpack. I believe when we started this, we were at 299 subscribers. So if you have not subscribed and you're listening to this right now, go ahead and be number 300 as we're continuing to grow this thing. But Oh, again, one more thing, one more thing before we get out of here. We put up a poll uh, based yes. on our last episode. Do you want to see the Wolfpack stay with the ACC? Or do you want the pack to get out of Dodge as soon as possible? It is on our YouTube page. The community tab. Exactly. It's on the community tab. Go to our page. Tell us what you think. We want to know. Grayson and I are genuinely curious how Wolfpack Nation feels about, do we stay in the ACC? Do we go? We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. We're going to be doing a lot more of these interactive things on our community tab, so keep an eye out for that. But, yes, again here, thank you, as always, for giving us a listen. Um, And as always, go Pack. Go Pack. You are Locked On Wolfpack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.